Somebody say praise the Lord. You would turn with me to the book of Numbers tonight. Thank you, choir, praise team, leading us into the presence of God. Amen, amen, amen. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Jesus. I mean, feel the presence of God here tonight. Oh, the name above every name. Somebody shout Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The book of Numbers chapter 25, a few verses here today, but I come with a strong word tonight for this church, for this congregation. How many want to hear what the Spirit saying to the church? Amen. Numbers 25, verse 6, Behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite-ish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. He went after the man of Israel into the tent. The Bible says, and he thrust them both. He brought judgment to what the enemy was trying to do to destroy his nation. Scripture says, verse 14, now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman was Zimri. That word means my music, Zimri. The son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites, which means he was a Jew, he was a Hebrew. Verse 15, and the name of the Midianite-ish woman that was slain was Cosby. Everybody say Cosby. You didn't know the name Cosby is in the Bible, did you? Well, there you go. Cosby means from one study. One verse, it means my lie. Another, another definition of Cosby from one study means pleasure to the senses. A Midianitish woman mixes with, a, with an Israelitish man and brought the judgment of God. Chapter 31. Verse 15. And Moses said unto them, because they spared the Midianitish women when judgment came in the battle, have you saved all the women alive? Behold, these calls the children of Israel through the council of Balaam. I want everyone to say the council of Balaam. To commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. Balaam's counsel to Balak, the son of Peor, he gave them counsel on how to get God to bring judgment against his own people. He said to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now I want you to turn to the book of Revelation, if you will, chapter 2. 
certainly in this message tonight. Revelation chapter 2. Let's look and see what it says. Verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamos. Everybody say the church. Now this is a this is a Jesus name church. This is a book of Acts church. There's seven churches in Asia. I believe that all of them represent different issues at different times we can have in the church in modern day. That's right. The seven churches of Asia. Pergamos is the one I will preach about tonight. Said these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest even where Satan's seat is. He said and thou holdest fast my name and has not denied my faith. In the midst of a gate of hell you held on to truth you head on to the name are y'all hearing what I'm saying in the midst of Satan's seat you didn't deny faith and has not denied my faith even in those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth but I have a few things against thee I'm glad you held on to the name I'm glad you held on to faith when opposition was against you. I'm glad you've held on in the midst of Satan's seat, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Everybody say the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. 16, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. God has dealt with me for this service this night. I'd like to preach to you about the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. I want everyone to soul search. Lift your hands. Everybody in the room, I want you to soul search right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, all over the building, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated tonight. Everybody say the doctrine of Balaam. When you begin to study the story of Balaam, you find some interesting facts. He was a prophet of God. Balaam knew the Lord. But the Midianites were troubled because they knew that they could not conquer the children of Israel. So they sent some servants and said, we would like to hire the prophet because whatever he says comes to pass. And so they sent to the prophet and they sent with a large sum of money to try to buy the preacher and said, uh, the king Balak, Balak, there's Balak and then there's Balaam, all right? Everybody say Balak. 
Balak, the king of the Midians, he sent word to the servants and tried to hire the preacher, the prophet, to come and curse the children of Israel who were encamped near them. How many know everywhere the children of Israel went, they conquered, they won. How many still believe there's power with God's people over the enemy? Amen. I'd like to say to this congregation that from the moment that mankind was created, God created him in his image. Male and female created he them. He gave them dominion over every beast of the field. It is not the will of God and has never been the will of God for men and women of the church to be defeated or constantly overpowered. He said in Deuteronomy 28, I will make you the head and not the tail, only above and never beneath. I will allow you to become the lender instead of the borrow. I'm gonna bless you coming in and I'm gonna bless you going out. I'm gonna bless you in the city and I'm gonna bless you in the field. My name will be great upon my people. How many still believe the blessing of the Lord is up on the people of God? The blessing of the Lord for his name's sake. You see, God gets glory out of your life. He gets glory out of blessing you. When people see who, is there anybody in the room who to say, I'm more blessed than what I deserve? Would you jump to your feet if you really feel that way? God's been better to you than you really deserve. We should be so blessed that people want to live like us and we should be so blessed that the devil fears us. Can you say amen? That is the will of God. He said, you'll be my people, I'll be your God. I'll go ahead of you. I'm gonna run out the Canaanites and the Jebutites and the Hittites and and the Amorites and I'm gonna run them all out ahead of you. I'll send the hornets ahead of you. Giants called Goliath can't stop you. Lions in the den can't eat Daniel. Fiery furnaces have no power over my people. Jericho walls have got to fall before you. Red seas have got to part beside you. Jordan rivers are going to stop flowing because of you. You know why? Because I am blessed of the Lord. If you feel that way, jump up and shout, I am blessed of God. I am blessed. I am blessed. Somebody shout again, I am blessed. Amen, amen. But there's a doctrine in, in, in Deuteronomy 28 and, and uh, that I would like you to look at today in doctrine that we preach about in 28 that we talked about the season of blessing, the code of blessing. God spoke to me, spoke to our evangelist a couple years ago about how God's gonna bless this church. Abundance was upon us and it is still upon us. How many believe abundance is upon us? And I already told you some of the things that God is doing and, and how he's gonna bless you and how he's gonna be with you and you're the head not the tail and all this. But verse 15 to Deuteronomy 28 says, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, Deuteronomy 28 and 15, and his statutes which I command thee this day that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. 
Cursed shall thou be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Amen? See, the amen talking about the curse wasn't as loud as the amen talking about the blessing. But it's still true. Don't think for a minute because he's blessed you before that he can't curse you later. See, we better be careful in ministry to think we're entitled to blessing when we're not living the life to be blessed. All this, hold on a second, all this favor business. Well, I'm walking in God's favor. I've been praying for God's favor. I'm not so sure we need to pray for God's favor. Instead, we ought to live the life that God wants to give favor or the blessing to. Come on, don't expect the favor of God when you're not living right. Don't expect the favor of God when you're not obeying his word, obeying his law. Don't expect financial prosperity when you can't give 10% on your increase because what should have been a blessing will come a curse because even God is bound to his word. Come on, let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't matter what culture's saying. We gotta hold faith and hold firm to the word of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's get back to verse 14. Even Balaam knows the law. Balaam understands the law. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I commanded this day to the right hand or to the left hand to go after other gods to serve them. The day that you start serving other gods, you make other things the idols that you worship. You spend all your emotion on other things and you don't have the emotion to give to God. That's when the curse of God is gonna come up on your life. I think y'all look at two or three people and say, I don't wanna be cursed by God. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I can't pray a blessing on something that God's cursing. I can't bless that which is God is cursing. Neither can the enemy curse that which God's blessing. See, the enemy can't curse what God's blessing. So the story unfolds, and I thank God for the Deuteronomy 28 that I mentioned to you tonight. It also scares me to think that I could be cursed through disobedience to the Lord. How many believe that? Come on, that's a moral law that doesn't change. Let's talk about grace for a minute. Don't turn God's grace into disgrace. Think you can live any way you want to and God still bless you. That's a lie from hell. I'm not gonna beat around the bush tonight. I'm just gonna preach truth to you. We need grace of God, but we don't need to turn his grace into disgrace. Well, he ought to bless me. Preacher, you ought to be glad I showed up tonight. No, it's a privilege to show up to the house of God. Come on, it's a privilege. Be seated for a moment. Listen to me to preach tonight. Balaam was hired by the king of Midian, the enemy of Israel. He is hiring Balaam, the prophet, to come and curse Israel. And I think it's like three times that he sends and he says, uh, we are the servants of Balak. We've come to you and uh, we got a large sum we want to pay you for you to come and curse the children of Israel. He said, let me pray about it. Well, there's some things you don't have to pray about. 
You don't have to pray about dating somebody out of church. You don't have to pray about an adulterous relationship. You don't have to pray about watching R-rated movies. Boy, real quiet now because I had talked about it in a while. You don't have to pray about listening to ungodly music. Well, let me search my heart, pastor, and see if the Lord. No, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. Look at your neighbor and say some things we don't have to pray about. So he goes to the Lord and said, Lord, Balak, Balak, you don't have to pray about gambling. I might as well stay here for a while. You don't have to pray about lottery tickets. You don't have to pray about going to the casino. Come on, am I preaching any holiness people in the building? You don't have to pray about sinning. It's already a no. It's already a no. It's a, look at your neighbor and say, it's already a no. My, 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 my. You already know what the answer's gonna be. Well, let me pray about it. Lord, they've offered me some money to go up there and curse the people. God, what do you think? No! That's what I thought you was gonna say. Not too long, they come back down. Servants again. Hey, Balaam, we come down a larger sum. Uh, Balaam, Still wants to know where you come. Let me pray about it. Hey, Lord, it's more this time. No! You already know it's a no before you ever turn it on. I'm going to tell you something else. You don't have to pray about whether to go to the movie theater or not. Hold on. I don't want you clapping because I said it. I want you to understand something. I don't go to the dump yard. I don't, go to the, I don't go to the salvage yard to go get cheeseburgers. I ain't going to the trash can and it's unfiltered. Hold on, I'm going to teach you tonight because we've opened the door in the apostolic church that said let's just leave it to the people. Somebody got to stand up. Hold on a second, I want you to listen to me. There's an atmosphere. You ever watch something that made you feel eerie? And you turned it off? Well, they don't turn it off. It soaks into the walls. It soaks into the atmosphere. Horror movies, sexual scenes, it leaves a stigma. How many ever had your kids put your hands on the glass? And they pull the hands, and you got to scrub that glass again because oil come off my hand. How many ever put your face up against the glass, stuck your tongue out, and your mouth all crazy looking, you don't talk about it? And you leave, and when you're done, what is it? You're still there. You're gone, but there's still evidence that you were there. Listen, spirits come through this stuff, and it leaves a residue. I've never seen anybody that went into movie theaters that did not come out questioning holiness. Never. The old-timers preached against it. I still think it's wrong. Because it's just not worth the fight. You might go in one time and come out okay, but then you start getting these thoughts. Where'd that thought come from? Where's that desire coming from? Why can't I sleep at night? Why? Because you've been in an atmosphere that's unholy, and holy people should not be in unholy places. Come on, I'm not going to the bar to get a glass of milk, I'm not going to go to the movie theaters to get entertained either.
Somebody got to understand here tonight? Holiness in the end time still matters to God. And if it was good for Paul and Silas and mom and daddy, it ought to be good enough. It ought to be good enough. Somebody say amen. Entertain somewhere where you can limit it, where you can guard it, where you can shut it off. And you need to shut it off. Watch what I'm preaching to you here tonight. And so they come back with a better sum and, 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 and Balak's servant, hey, he still wants you to come and curse some people. Let me pray about it. He comes up, Lord, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, it's a pretty good opportunity. It's a king wanting my ministry. Go ahead and go, Balaam. Now that verse scares me to death because it's possible that I can argue with God over doctrine long enough that he tells me to do what I know I'm not supposed to do. And the Bible says, and they received not a love of the truth. It didn't say they didn't receive truth. It said they didn't receive a love of the truth. And because they didn't receive a love of the truth, he said, I'm gonna turn them over to a strong delusion and they'll believe a lie and be damned. He said, if you're gonna fight me on truth long enough, you're gonna keep backing up against the preacher when he's preaching to you. You know in your heart it's right. You just don't have the audacity or the love of God to live it. He said, I'm gonna help you not believe truth. Listen, if a man, if a man fools you, you can be delivered in a small period of time. If the devil deceives you, you can have that cast away from you in a matter of minutes. But if God deceives you, if God deceives you, nobody can help you. And he said he turned them over to a strong delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned. And I know it's old-fashioned and it doesn't match, match church culture, but just the other day I was praying in this church, oh God, whatever you do, don't let me be like King Saul who over some decades started listening to the people instead of listening to the prophet and that God, my heart would be turned away from truth. God, don't let me fall into a strong delusion. Don't let me be lost. Don't let my family be lost. That was my prayer. And we had Brother James Hughes to come to this church. He walks in this church, comes in my office. As soon as he sits down, he starts talking to the Holy Ghost. He said, Brother Bounds, the old timers, you know how they used to pray? Oh, God, don't let me fall into a strong delusion. God, don't ever let me become deceived. I come to ask you, do you want to be deceived or do you want truth to get a hold of your life? You want truth to keep you. You want to love truth. The Bible says, by the truth and sell it not. Go ahead, Balaam, go on. Just go on, go ahead. You're on your way, just go. Thank you, Lord. It feels so good to be in the will of God. He gets on his donkey, starts making his way to Midian. When he gets there, he's so blinded by his own lust, his own carnality, his own promotion in ministry. Don't get to talk to the king. All of a sudden, Balaam can't see the angel of judgment with a sword drawn to kill him. And the donkey stops in a narrow place. And he kicks that, smites that, 
get me where I'm supposed to. Don't you halt and stop me. A little bit later, there's a more narrow place. The Bible talks about it being a vineyard. And the donkey that he's had a part of his life for a long time, read it in scripture, leans against the wall and smashes his foot. He kicks that donkey. You get me where I'm supposed to be going. What are you doing stopping and halting? I gotta get to my opportunity. Another time there's a more narrow place and the donkey falls down. Sort of rolls over on him. How do you remember that horse that time? We were riding horses and they got you the greenest horse and what they thought was the oldest horse. Didn't want anybody riding on it. It turned over and rolled over on her. They said, "Uh uh-oh, we forgot. That's the wrong horse. But Balaam's donkey was the right donkey because even a donkey could see what he was blinded to. He comes out from under that donkey, starts kicking that donkey. What are you doing? And the Lord opened his mouth. Excuse me, her mouth. It was a she donkey. And the donkey said, I've been with you all these years and I've never done anything wrong. Why do you smite me these three times? That donkey didn't only talk, it could count. (laughs) Read it. He's so caught up in opportunity, he starts talking back. (laughs) You're messed up when you're talking back to a donkey. Starts fussing at the donkey. He looks up and an angel has a sword drawn said your donkey could see the judgment and some of you better listen to this preacher because in the last days perilous times are coming and the Bible says there's going to be a shaking and that which can be shaken will be shaken and if it can be sold it will be sold and if it can fall away it will fall away you hear me if you've got a price on your eternity the devil can match that price I would say to somebody in this room you ought to stand up and say not for sale not for sale. I've, I've got my foot on the rock. I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale. He said, I tell you, be seated. I'm gonna let you go on. But don't you dare say anything but what I put in your mouth, Balaam. Don't just speak a word except what I put in your mouth. Balaam shows up when Balak sees him. He's so excited because I can't stop these people that are blessed unless there's a curse on them. We don't have enough in the arsenal. I just want to say here tonight what God is about to do in this church and beyond and in the church of Jesus Christ in the end time, the devil already knows he can't stop it. Come on, Jesus said it. The gates of hell shall not prevail. It cannot stop the church. It can't stop the church. Somebody shout, you can't stop what God's gonna do. Amen. Somebody shout it again. You can't stop what God's about to do. See, the devil knows it. He knows that we're going into a harvest where every family will have a disciple in their family. He knows that every minister is gonna have more people trying to take care of. We, I preached today at New Lex. We're so glad to be at that amazing church. Brother Tony got up and made a statement. 
I preached the message I preached this morning there about they had so many fish that broke the net. He said, I believe God's going to give us revival. It's going to be a, a broken net revival. A net breaking revival. Do you believe? It's going to be so big we can't fit them in this building. We're going to have to go to multiple services. That's what God's going to do. I'm telling you, it's what God's going to do. Still won't hold the crowd of what God's about to do. You see, the devil knows it. He knows he can't stop us. He knows he can't stop the people of God. Hold your little fingernail up and say, there's more power in my fingernail than the devil's got against me. You may be seated. He knows you're powerful. So he's got to figure out how to stop you by cursing you. Well, we get the prophet up here and he can curse him. All right, let's go. Now look there, look down in the valley, Balaam. There they are. Look at all those tents. The children of Israel. Moses, their leader. Look at all those millions of people scattered over the valley. Do your thing. Curse them. He said, I've already told you. I cannot say but what God puts in my mouth. You know what he does? Right there with Balak present, he builds an altar. Calls on the name of the Lord. Opens up his mouth. And God said, I'm going to bless all of them. Blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. I'm going to bless them here and I'm going to bless them there. I'm going to do this for them. I'm going to do this. He's blessing them. And Balak's getting madder by the minute. He stopped and he said, I didn't bring you here to bless these people. I brought you here to curse them. I already told you and your servants, I can't bless. I can't curse what God's blessing. Well, oh, come on, come on over here a little bit. Yeah. He takes them to another peak on the mountain. Looks down over the valley, sees all the people of God. He said, go ahead and curse them. Boy, he opens up his mouth. He starts prophesying and blessing, blessing and blessing coming in and going out, all these amazing things. He's blessing them. Balak's madder. He's more mad than he was a while ago. He takes him to a third peak on the mountain. He looks down from a different angle and sees all these people. And here's the prophet looking down over the valley. When he looks down over that valley, he starts prophesying. And when he does this time, he starts prophesying the Christ to come. <laughs> You read it. He starts talking about the future from, from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years away, thousands of years away. He starts prophesying of the coming Messiah because God will always have a people that he's going to be blessing. Did you hear me? Come on, it's a perpetual blessing. This is something God wants in every family, every marriage, in every home. He wants to bless you. I said God wants to bless you. Somebody say Amen. Brother Nehemiah, I thought to myself, we ought to preach sometime. No matter how you look at me, I'm blessed. No matter which angle you come at me, he's going to bless me. The Bible says that Balak became furious and they went to part ways. Come here, Balaam. Come here, Balaam. They went, I'm going to be the king. He's angry. He said, I already told you, give me all the silver, all the gold. I can't say what God tells me to say. I can't curse him. And Balak goes to walk away and Balaam says, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't imagine myself coming up here all the way for nothing. I can't curse them. But I know a little bit about their God. 
and how to get him to curse them. Let your women mix with their men and get them closer to eating and hanging out from the meat of the idols, satisfying their belly, not worshiping, just satisfying their belly with what comes off the altar of Baal, P-O-R. And let your men start hooking up with their women and God will curse them himself. Probably shoved the money in his pocket, heads down the road. The Bible says that God hated Balaam. It came known in scripture from Moses the counsel of Balaam. But in Revelation it shows up in the church washed in the blood and filled with the spirit the church of Pergamos and it's known that people in the church have accepted the doctrine of Balaam you know what the doctrine of Balaam is the doctrine of Balaam is just simply allowing among us and hanging out among us what we condemn in our heart see the danger the danger is when Ish joins the church. Everybody say Ish. You ever anybody tell you they'll be there around five-ish? You know what five-ish means? They ain't coming to five. I mean, it might be 45, 445. It might be 515, more likely it's going to get closer to six. But ish means no absolute line. It's a blurred place. It's, 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 it's stuff like, you know, I just don't think God really is that concerned about that. I, I just don't believe God would send me to hell for that. I, I just don't think it's that necessary. You better be careful. Because if we're not careful, we will allow Cosby to show up in the church. You know what Cosby is? Cosby is a daughter of the chief of Midian. And when she shows up, she's beautiful. And, and, and the guys can't take her their eye off of her. She's beautiful. And she's just one representative of so many that moved into the camp that they couldn't, these, these harmless women that come in. And I ain't preaching about women. So I'm preaching about the tolerance of Balaam. And I'm talking about sensuality. And Proverbs 7 says, there was a strange woman which flattereth with her words that said, come to my way to my house and pulled a young man out of the father's house. The Bible says in her house was the way to hell. You have to be very careful what you're happy about. Because Cosby in its root meaning, she comes in and she mixes with the chiefest of the priest's sons. And she comes in and his name meant my music and her name meant my lie. And also it meant, it meant pleasure to the senses. And Romans comes to my mind when the Bible says about godless people and they would change the natural use of the body and they would be turned over to a reprobate mind. And it talks about backbiters and haters and seducers and sinners. And it says, and judgment's coming to them but not only to them but those that have pleasure in those that do such things I come to preach to you tonight you might not fornicate but God forbid you're okay with watching fornication you might not commit adultery but God forbid you let that on your television screen of entertainment it is 
is not the will of God to allow corruption, immorality, uncleanness into your life that causes your heart to be turned to the ways of the world. If you're not praying, you're dying. I'm going to say it again. If you're not praying, you're dying. If you're not reading your Bible consistently, you're malnourished. I'm going to tell you a good gauge. You may be seated. There's gauges in our life. How many ever seen an oil light in your car? When your oil light comes on, where I come from, they call it a dummy light. How many ever heard that? That means you ain't ever checked the oil. <laughs> come on, we got gauges in our cars. Low on fuel, the battery's low, the oil, whatever. We've got gauges in our vehicles getting us to our destination. But there are gauges in our life. When you haven't prayed for days, there's something wrong in your world. When you can no longer say, man, I can't wait for church on Sunday night. When Wednesday Bible study is no longer important. It's a gauge in your world. That entertainment has now risen in your life. Everybody take your right hand and raise it just like this. When the level of entertainment rises in your world, the move of the Spirit decreases. And when the move of the Spirit increases, entertainment decreases. Now you understand why we're doing a media fast? Because we're spending our emotions on things that hate God. Young people, if the video game allows you to buy a prostitute, it shouldn't be in your house. Come on. Come on. Allows you to kill cops and all that stuff. You don't need that stuff in your house. You know what games I'm talking about. You don't need demons and, and, and witchcraft. My, my, my. We don't need, we don't need sorceries and, and vampires and, and walking dead and, and shows to where there's homosexuality and immorality. I don't care how funny it is. If it shows the sensuality of homosexuality and adultery and fornication, why would you allow that in your house just because it's funny? It's sin. It is not the will of God. It's not the will of God. I said it's not the will of God. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? Help me preach for a moment. It's not the will of God. And so Balaam's doctrine was simple. It was just simply allow them to move among you. Let them move in with you. Let them, let them come near you. Get involved with their life. Tolerate it. Accept it. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about sin. I'm not talking about women. I'm talking about sensuality. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. If we're not careful, after a period of time, we start losing convictions. Dress lengths start getting a whole lot shorter. When I grew up, move of God, come to the Spirit, come into the room, the glory of God was settled. People start trying to cover up their knees. Start tucking. Not because somebody got up and preached the doctrine. They didn't even know about it. Brand new to the church. The holiness of God. Start saying, I need to cover my nakedness. Just like, just like uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, when the glory of the Lord showed, they started trying to cover. Come on, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. God didn't call you ladies to be sexy. I want you amen. I want you to listen to me. Should never be that you come to the church where your thighs are showing. He would not allow the priest in the kingdom 
to get up to the altar they, under their robes when they would climb the steps and they would get high up in the altar to where their thighs could be seen. When you look in scripture, when he covered Adam and Eve in the garden because they didn't do it good enough. Sometimes we don't do it good enough. Y'all know it's the truth. Hey, while I'm on it, I know you're thinking, man, he's on a roll tonight. I'm your pastor. I'm the shepherd. I'm the shepherd. Hey, save folks. Don't go to sunbathing beaches and show things and their skin there. Hold on a minute. I'm just saying that we don't take a vacation from holiness because we're on vacation. When we were going to get married, somebody come up to my wife, an apostolic person came up and she said, what did you buy your bikini? Well, what would I buy a bikini for? It's your honeymoon. It's okay for apostolics to not be apostolic on honeymoon. Matter of fact, it's okay to not be apostolic on your wedding day. Because it's your wedding day and you want the portrait to be right. What I'm talking about, why are we overriding convictions because American culture? Listen, listen, we will, people, 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 if they wore to the school what they wear when they take a little off day and go swimming with the same students in the school, they'll be expelled for indecent exposure. But because it's entertainment, we allow under the basis of entertainment in this country. Well, we're swimming. You know what? It's amazing that when you're swimming, God protects your eyes and your emotions and your lusts. I mean, God just does that. He, he, he preserves the American culture because when you go to the beach and when you're in the swimming pool and I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> be careful, little eyes, what you see. Ladies, that dress should always cover that knee. Even when you sit down. Hold on, I don't want anybody clapping because I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just telling you what I know. If we're not careful, we'll allow sensuality and the pressure to be sexy from an American sex culture to move up on a church that if we're not careful, it won't be long until we start moving standards and moving things where it says it just doesn't matter. It matters to God if we're going to be a blessed people of God. It matters to God. When he clothed Adam and Eve. When he clothed Adam and Eve. And all you men need to understand this too. You don't need to be walking around in a wife beater. Muscle shirt. When he clothed Adam and Eve, he gave them an outfit that went from the neck with sleeves down to the knee or to the ankle on Adam and Eve. When I'm preaching to you, if we're not careful, we'll base what we want to look like on what we're entertained by. God didn't call us into this sanctuary to be sexy. He called us into this sanctuary to be holy, to represent the image of Christ. Amen. To be a godly example about who he is and who we are. Let the church say amen. Balaam said, you can be seated. Balaam said, I can't curse him. But let me tell you how to get their God to curse them. Get them closer to the idol. Get them mixing with your people to where their desires of the Midianites become the passions and the desires of the children of Israel. 
And it won't be long till they'll be worshiping your God. And God won't tolerate people spending their emotions and all their, their worship on something else. He won't do it. He'll curse them. So Cosby joins the church. Pleasure to the senses. I think I've hit the time clock tonight, but I'm not done. I'm just not finished. Come on, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You know who we are. Why should we change at the last hour? Why should we change at the three-yard line? Why should we change when the trumpet's getting ready to sound? Why don't we be the church that God has called us to be? Amen, amen, amen. You know what I want? I don't want some country club church where everybody can just fit in. I want a church that when sinners come, they are converted to the Lord. Their lives are transformed. The alcoholic set free. The drug addicts delivered. Those that are in bondage feel the glory of God. Let me tell you what's gonna happen in this church. It is here the Lord has spoken to me. He told me, he said the glory of my presence is gonna show up. It's gonna melt the hardest of hearts. It is going to electrify the dead saints. It's gonna do something. It's gonna be cause the passionless to become passionate because when my glory shows up, there is transformation. Clap your hands and praise him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on, all over the building, would you magnify the Lord with me? You may be seated. I'll read you a poem I heard many years ago. A few months before I was born, this poem says, my dad met a stranger. My dad met a stranger who was new to our small Tennessee town. From the beginning, dad was fascinated with his this enchanting newcomer and soon invited him to live with our family. The stranger was quickly accepted and was around to welcome me into the world a, a few months later. As I grew up, I never questioned his place in our family. Mom taught me to love the word of God. Dad taught me to obey it. But the stranger was our storyteller. He could weave the most fascinating tales. Adventures and mysteries and comedies were daily conversations. He could hold our whole family spellbound for hours each evening. He was like a friend of the whole family. He took Dad, Bill, and me to our first Major League Baseball game. He was always encouraging us to see the movies, and he even made arrangements to introduce us to several movie stars. The stranger was an incessant talker. Dad didn't seem to mind, but sometimes Mom would quietly get up while the rest of us were enthralled with one of his stories of faraway places and go to her room, read her Bible, and pray. I wonder now if she ever prayed that the stranger would leave. You see, my dad ruled our household with certain moral convictions, but this stranger never felt any obligation to honor them. Profanity, for example, was not allowed in our house, not from us, from our friends, or adults. Our longtime visitor, however, used occasional four-letter words that burned my ears and made dad squirm. To my knowledge, the stranger was never confronted. My dad was a teetotaler who didn't permit alcohol in his home, not even for cooking. But the stranger felt he needed exposure and enlightened us to other ways of life. He offered us beer and other alcoholic beverages often. He made cigarettes look tasty, cigars manly, and pipes distinguished. 
He talked freely, too much too freely about sex. His comments were sometimes blatant, sometimes suggestive and generally embarrassing. I know now that my early concepts of the man-woman relationship were influenced by the stranger. As we look back, I believe it was the grace of God that the stranger did not influence us more. Time after time, he opposed the values of my parents, yet he was seldom rebuked and never asked to leave. More than 30 years have passed since the stranger moved in with the young family on Morningside Drive. But if I were to walk into my parents' den today, you would still see him sitting over in a corner waiting for someone to listen to him talk and watch him draw his pictures. His name, we always called him TV. I can just get Cosby in the home. I make a strong suggestion tonight. It'd be very, very wise to turn that off for about three months and see how convicted you really are about sin. See, some of you are squirming because you think I'm talking to you, and I am, but I'm talking to all of us. Because if we're not careful, we become desensitized to what used to bother us. My daddy preached it so strong about sin, and I'm not talking about the box. I'm sure there's a big TV we got up there on the screen today. Come on, it's nothing more than a screen. But what you allow across the screen is what makes the difference. It's not the technology. It's the content. My dad said, Sin's not the problem. He said, it's not when we sin that's the concern. He said, it's when we start feeling good about sin. Doesn't bother us anymore. Doesn't phase us like it used to. Before you judge me harshly, think that I'm being a mean preacher. Just ask yourself a question. When's the last time you wept over Calvary? When's the last time you had agony in the garden for a lost soul? When's the last time you were moved wanting to spend more time with God and less with the world? Because Cosby's, Cosby's job is to move you closer to the idol Bel Peor. So you'll be cursed and your family will be lost. It's the doctrine, it's very simple. It's just a doctrine that says mingle with the stuff that God hates and it won't be long you'll be one of them. It's a tale as old as time. It's a, you're as quiet as a church mouse tonight because you're soul searching. There's verses that stir me tonight like if the righteous are scarcely saved where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? That he's coming back in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the story that I heard many years ago of a friend, and matter of fact, it's with Josh Crispin's cousin. She was pregnant with Gary Brandon, Gary Brandon had some heart issues in the womb and they just studied, studied him and 
they decided it was so serious they went into the womb and did a surgical procedure on the baby while in the womb. It's a miracle, isn't it? Technology is thankful for it. When the baby was born, there was all this test and concern and, and uh, her aunt Lainey was in the waiting room and Sister Lainey made the statement when somebody said Gary Brandon wasn't born with an ear canal. So when the doctor came in, was giving the reports about the baby and the updates and the heart condition, all these things, and that what was the major concern was the heart. She said, I'm concerned. She said, doctor, is it true that he wasn't born with an ear canal? He said, listen, let's not worry about the ear. He said, let's just worry about the heart because if the heart's not right, nothing else matters. I haven't come to preach Cosby out of the church. I've come to get Cosby out of your heart. And if somehow through the message with the sword tonight, I can take Cosby out of your life and your heart can become pure and the judgment be stopped and the plague stopped, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see backsliders run through the Lord. You're going to see miracles happen in your life. You're going to see your ministry flourish. You're going to see joy come to you. You're not going to deal with numbness. Come on, at some point, we got to say, God, I want to be saved. to get God to curse I come to tell you don't be like the world don't love the world if you love the world the love of the Father is not in you don't love the world don't love what they love here your pastor tonight be not conformed to this world or identify with this world come out from among them and be you separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing because Jesus is coming. There's nothing worth your soul. There's no video game. There's no movie. There's no lifestyle. And there's no person worth going to hell over. I wish there was somebody in this room that said, I'm not going to go to hell. I want to be saved above all else. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God. And I say under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, don't you dare judge me harshly. Don't you dare speak evil of what I've preached here tonight. Don't you laugh at all for mark, mock what I've said to this congregation under the fear of God or the judgment of God will come against you. I come to you and preach this in the fear of the Lord. I didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come to comfort you tonight. I come to get your heart where it needs to be with the Lord. Be careful to speak against what I preach about, whether you're watching online or here tonight. Don't you laugh about what I'm preaching. Stand, stand to your feet. There's a blessing of the Lord that's here tonight. Don't push back. Don't disobey the word of God because God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of his word. You won't get by with it. Neither would I. I don't want us to come to the music tonight. I think we need to repent. We need to go into this fast with a mindset, I could, I could be cold on God or lukewarm or deceived or numb. 
Any of you have any calluses on your hands? It wasn't always callous, Brother Craig. At one time, there was a water blister there. You babied it and put a Band-Aid on it. And it hurt. You see, but after enough pain in the same place, enough times, what used to hurt you becomes numb. Over the years, I've had different people tell me that I've preached to, make statements like this. Your preaching used to affect me, but it doesn't bother me anymore. When you used to preach, I'd feel convicted that I can sit through a whole sermon. I don't cry anymore. I don't feel bad anymore. And I thought to myself, if you'd obeyed when I preached and you'd have responded, it'd still be tender. Don't ever forget, sometimes that word is a sword. And sometimes God asks the preacher to get the sword out and cut away from you things that are killing you. There's some in this room and I can feel it. Some got angry tonight. Truth of the matter is you'll stand in judgment for it, but I didn't come to preach to you. You're angry at me tonight? I'm not even preaching to you. I come to preach to the believer. I come to preach to the hungry. So mock me and scoff me, but I'm not changing what I believe. Because the crowd that's about to come in here, they're tired of sensuality, they're tired of sex, they're tired of loose living, they're tired of drugs, they're tired of witchcraft, they're tired of perversion. They want holiness. They want to be right with God. So I say we get ready for the greatest harvest and the greatest revival that we've ever seen in the church. Would you clap your hands and praise him? Come on, praise him in this building. Hallelujah. So young people, I ask you in the fear of God, if Jesus came tonight, would you go? And I ask this church in the fear of God, if the Lord came by midnight, would you make it? If God came this evening, would you go? And people watching by way of the web, and you could have been here but decided to stay home for yourself. Better be careful to miss assembling yourself together. It's different than watching live stream. You can't assemble yourself together. And I understand if you're sick and you couldn't make it and you're out of town, you're in another country. I'm not preaching about that to you. If you can be with the people of God, do not settle for live stream instead of assembling in the people with the people. It's not a substitute. It's not a substitute. We need the church. We need a solemn assembly. We need people that love God. Come on, anybody in this room feeling that you love God today? Lift your hands in the air. Tell the Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. <laughs>
tonight. God's calling moms and dads in this room to get their house back in order. Come on, Grandma and Grandpa. God's calling you to lead the way for your children even though you're grown and they're grown. God's calling you to accountability. Don't let Cosby move in. Don't entertain it. Move in. Come on, there's a call of repentance. Come on, Mama. Come on, Daddy. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. 